Thank you very much, worship team, for leading us in those songs of praise. First things first, children's church. If you are between the ages of two and six, head on downstairs and uh, there will be something there for you. All right, why don't you bow with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for your presence here with us. God, we ask this morning as we look into your word that uh, you would speak, that you would comfort. God, that we would listen and our hearts and our ears would be open to hear what you have to say. God, may the words that I speak bring honor and glory to you. And all that isn't of you, God, I ask that it would simply be forgotten. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so how many of you were able to make it out to the Watoto Children's Choir concert a couple weeks ago? That is a good number of people. I, I have to say, it was, in my opinion, an excellent concert. I, uh, I really enjoyed it. And, and beyond that, hosting the kids at our place was, was a real highlight for me. Um, and, and I don't know exactly what it was, uh, but I found myself fighting back tears throughout a lot of that concert. Um, just seeing the hope that the kids had and, and the joy, just this abundant joy. I don't know, I, it, I just felt like crying. And especially recognizing their past and, and seeing where they are now, I, I just loved seeing what God is doing in their community and, and how he's working through them. After the concert, uh, Tina showed me a video. She snuck of, of, of Jesse and, and I following along to some of their dance moves. And, and it was embarrassing. I mean, it, it, I thought maybe Dwayne and Keith would be really good at the, you know, I'm not sure if you guys were there. They have some practice. Darren too, I guess, probably. But, but you know, I, I was embarrassing. But I was just kind of glad that, that she hadn't caught, like, video of me, like, weeping. <laughs> The majority of the concert. I don't know. I was very emotional. And then the morning after uh, dropping the kids and, and their leaders off that we had hosted, I was blown away by their, by their morning routine. And I, I wish you all could have been there. Together with, with the choir and all the hosts, we stood in a big circle and we held hands. And the kids took turns speaking out praise to God for life, praise to God for a new day, and, and all the things that they had been blessed with by us. And it was amazing. I, I stood there, and this, there was a cynic, with, a cynic within me. You know, like, after you've been around the highs and lows of Christianity, I think, for some reason, at least for me as a pastor, I, I start to become cynical sometimes when I see this kind of full joy, you know, but how could these kids be so full of joy? And, and what am I missing in my life? Is it possible to be filled with praise the way that they seem to be constantly? And, and I started to wonder and ask myself if I'm the type of person that brings joy into a room when I, when I walk, that I bring the joy of the Lord into that room. And, and I came to the conclusion in many ways that these kids have a deeper understanding of praise than what, than what I do, than what we do. And we, I think we can learn from them. But we're going to get to that a little later on. 
We've been hanging out around the book of Psalms for a couple of Sundays now, and, and, I, and I hope you're still up for continuing some more because that's where we're going to be going again today. Uh, and, and talking about the Watoto Children's Concert, you, you'd think we'd be looking at Psalms of praise and joy this morning, but surprise! We're actually going to be digging into Psalms of complaint and Psalms of lament this morning. If, if you want to follow along, turn with me in, in your Bibles too. Psalm chapter 69. Starting in verse 1, Psalm chapter 69 says this. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in the miry depths where there is no foothold. I, I have come into the deep waters and the floods engulf me. I've heard some pretty wild predictions for this spring. And I'm really hoping that in the next few weeks, this isn't going to be our cry as the snow keeps melting. But I, I certainly recognize the irony as I, as I started to uh, study this psalm and the current season that we're heading into. It's kind of feels a little prophetic in some ways, but not really. I don't know. But the last time we had a, a major flood, I, I was just a kid. And, and I thought it was pretty fun, actually, like no school getting to go live at my grandma's house and seeing army tanks roll into town. Those, those were all very fun things for me back in 97. And, and I mean, really, with that in mind, I'm not getting any of what the psalmist is trying to convey here. But for others, this metaphor rings much truer. I, I remember a conversation with my previous boss, Ron, uh, Ron Craker, when I worked at Country Graphics, where he described staying up all night monitoring the sandbags around his house and making sure that the pumps were running so that he wouldn't lose his house. Him and others, uh, he, he would say would, that the stress of those nights have had lasting psychological and even physical effects to the point where he and others noticed that their handwriting was different after the flood. Others of you might be able to relate this that feeling of helplessness and mounting fear, it can be damaging. It can be life-altering. That being said, though, my guess is when you hear this cry of David, you, you probably don't immediately think about a literal flood or, or a literal drowning. But I think we all understand this feeling. D David's description here is, is vivid and it's raw. And, and he continues in verse 3. He says, I am worn out calling for help. My throat is parched. My eyes fail looking for my God. Those who hate me without reason outnumber the hairs of my head. Many are my enemies without cause. Those who seek to destroy me, I am forced to restore what I did not steal. The, the image here seems utterly hopeless. This visual of a man drowning in water, yet throat parched from calling out for help, surrounded by water and somehow nothing to drink, eyes tired from searching, looking all over for God and, and not finding him. Have you ever felt this way? I think in some ways we've all been there at times in our lives, wondering where God is in the midst of our darkness, when we call out and he seems so far away, when, when everything around us seems to be going wrong and, and darkness is winning. We've been there. I don't know what each of you are going through this morning, but, but I know that if you are on the same planet as I am, 
which I assume we all are, then you know this feeling. So what do we do in times of distress? What is our response when the waters are rising around us? How do you communicate with God when the troubles of this life are closing in all around you? Can you worship in the midst of despair, in the midst of frustration and anger? It's, it's interesting that the thing we, we have to remember when we read this psalm, all of the psalms, in fact, is, is that this was, this was Israel's songbook. These were used for worship. In the title, we read that this psalm, Psalm 69, is set to the tune of lilies. Now, now I don't know about you, but the tune of lilies, that sounds like a very pretty song to me. But the lyrics here are filled with deep darkness, with lament. Is this really worship? Is God, is God okay with us calling him out like this? I think you know the answer. We've said it before. But, but if there's one thing we can learn from the Psalms, it, it is that God invites us to be honest with him. He wants us to be real. He wants us to be raw. It's and I think it's a problem that we, that we seem to have in our churches today. When was the last time we as a church got together to honestly mourn the state of the world around us? Or cry out to God for help when the waves of life seem to be rising all around us? What practices do we have that, that allow us to express our true feelings? This worship... This was done in community. These songs were sung together. And yet, how often when we show up to church on a Sunday morning or small group or a Bible study, do we walk in and we wear a mask, acting like everything is okay? I mean, for crying out loud, how often do we wear a mask even when we are alone with God? I know I do. I'm going to be honest with you. This last week, I had one really rough morning. I, I mean, compared to so many others in the world, what do I honestly have to complain about? Seriously. But for whatever reason, it was just the right amount of difficulty parenting, stress of things that needed to get done, and, and misunderstanding between Alyssa and I. And I felt, I felt the waters rising around me. And instead of going straight to my office, I got in our van and I just drove away. I drove away from town, and in that moment, I knew I needed to talk to God. But the crazy thing is, when I started talking to him, you know what it sounded like? Dear Heavenly Father, I'm having a bit of a difficult time here, and I just pray that you would just, that you would just. And I mean, what kind of garbage is that? I, I was mad with what was going on around me, frustrated enough that I needed to go for a drive, and I, and I wonder where God was and why he felt so far away. And here I am, and I can't even express to the one who knows already about me, who can see my inner turmoil, my insecurities, my fears, and my worries, and I can't even bring myself to take off that religious mask and pour out my soul to God when it's just the two of us. Why not? Maybe you know what I'm talking about. Are you, are you real with God? God is not afraid of us. God is not afraid of you. God is not so small that he can't handle your laments. 
We need to follow David's example and learn to take off, take off that mask, that fake persona that we are in front of God. In Psalm 31, if, if you want to flip back a couple pages, David laments again, saying, Psalm 31, verse 9 to 10, Be merciful to me, Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and my body with grief. My life is consumed by anguish, and, and my years by groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction, and my bones grow weak. David was not afraid to express to God how rough things were around him. He was not afraid to let God know exactly how he was feeling about his situation. And, and even in his distress, he still chooses to worship God. He still calls out to him. For many Christians, when difficulty and distress come their way, they simply leave God out of it. They give him the cold shoulder and they don't call out to him because they are upset. They're angry with him. It, it's not easy to worship when things are honestly not going well. Many fall into the trap of thinking, if, life, if life's not going well, then God's either punishing me or maybe he's just not there at all. But either way, I'm not calling out to him. But here we see David's example is the opposite. Through David's example, we see that worship, worship, true worship begins out of a spirit of authenticity. The first thing we can learn from David is that even when things are going bad, it is good for us to acknowledge our situation before God and to honestly express our emotions. Just like with other issues, this is like one of the first things in all of the counseling world, we know the first step is admitting. The first step is admitting that there is something wrong, that we have an issue. If we want to get real with God, we must, we must recognize our own situation and in turn how much we need God to be in it. The next thing we can learn by studying how David worships in a time of distress is that after we've honestly come before God recognizing our situation, it is then that we ask God for help. Going back to Psalm 69, continuing in verse 13, it says, But I pray to you, Lord, in the time of your favor, in your great love, O God, answer me with your sure salvation. Rescue me from the mire. Do not let me sink Deliver me from those who hate me, from the deep waters. Do not let the flood waters engulf me, or the depths swallow me up, or the pit close its mouth over me. Answer me, Lord, out of the goodness of your love. In your great mercy, turn to me. Do not hide your face from your servant. Answer me quickly, for I am in trouble. Come near and rescue me. Deliver me because of my foes. I think far too often we have this misconstrued view of, of God as our Father. Maybe it's because of the fallen nature of our own earthly fathers, or, or perhaps because we misunderstand his character, but we feel as though God will, God, God will be frustrated if we cry out for help. 
I, I found it incredibly helpful in my understanding of God, and I've grown a lot in my understanding of God through having children of my own. Uh, understanding his relationship, you know, how I feel about my own kids. When, when I see one of my kids calling out for help, earnestly and honestly calling out for help, and I don't mean whining or complaining, but calling, it, it does not cause me to turn away. No, when, when I hear my child's voice calling out to me, it draws me toward them. I don't ignore them or run from them. And in the same way, how much, how much more, I mean, we hear that verse, how much more does our Heavenly Father love us? When we cry out to God earnestly and honestly, asking for help, He will draw near. He does draw near. And finally, following David's example in the Psalms, after we've expressed our honest emotions and, and, and situations, and, and after we've asked God for help, it's important that we worship Him. Worship Him in advance. This pattern repeats itself through the various lament or complaint psalms. If you go through the book of Psalms, and, and in Psalm 69, it sounds like this, starting in verse 29. It says, But as for me, afflicted and in pain, may your salvation, God, protect me. I, I will praise God's name in song and glorify him with thanksgiving. This will please the Lord more than an ox, more than a bull with its horns and hooves. The poor will see and be glad who seek God. May your hearts live. The Lord hears the needy and does not despise his captive people. Let heaven and earth praise him. The seas and all that move in them. For God will save Zion and rebuild the cities of Judah. Then people will settle there and possess it. The children of his servants will inherit it, and those who love his name will dwell there. Despite feeling as though the waters are, are crashing in on all sides, after going through this process, David remembers God's promises. And he has faith. He has faith that God will do what he has promised. And thus, even in the midst of calamity, he is able to still bring himself to a place of worship. You read the psalm and you wonder, is David going to lose his faith in God through the darkness? But, but we see an awesome example of, of this strong and, and unshakable faith of our spiritual forefather. Earlier we took a look at David's lament in Psalm 31, I want to read what it says there, Psalm 31. If we continue that psalm, verse 9 to 10, where, where David expressing how he feels as though his strength is failing. And I love how he worships God in advance when he remembers his promises. And, and he writes in, in verse 19, Psalm 31, verse 19. How abundant are the good things that you have stored up for those who fear you. Just a little bit earlier, he's, he's calling out. He's saying, God, where are you? Now he remembers, right? The, how abundant are the good things that you have stored up for those who fear you, that you bestow in the sight of all on those who take refuge in you. In the shelter of your presence, you hide them from all human intrigues. You keep them safe in your dwelling from accusing tongues. And here he says in verse 21, 
Praise be to the Lord, for he showed me the wonders of his love when I was in a city under siege. I love that picture. When, when I was in a city under siege, he showed me the wonders of his love. There's something incredible. There's something so powerful about recognizing God's goodness when we are in some of the darkest points in our lives. I remember last year um, when we were going through a worship series together uh, with the worship leaders here at PV, we watched a video in which the speaker, and and Jesse made mention of this in a sermon as well, uh, that said, when we get to heaven, we will be able to worship God perfectly in all fullness, in all his glory. But here, here on this broken earth, here in this city under siege, one of the most amazing gifts we can offer up in worship to God is to praise him in the midst of our sorrow, is to praise him in the midst of our despair. We will not get to offer up that kind of worship to our Savior again when we have been restored. Josh Larson writes, Lament isn't giving up. It's giving over. When we lift up our sorrow and our pain, we turn it over to the only one who can meet it, our God. So where are you at this morning? When was the last time you, when was the last time you were completely open with God? When was the last time you took off the mask and, and, and when did you let him in? He already knows. When the, when the waters are rising all around you, when was the last time you let him know? This, this morning, I want to do something a little bit different than usual. I want to give you that opportunity. Uh, Jesse's going to play some music. And, and while that's going on, I, I want to encourage you to take an opportunity to really meet with God. I, I know for some of us, it's, it, it's maybe easier to write down what we're feeling than it is to process in our minds or, or, or pray in the silence. And so I've provided some pieces of paper along with the bulletin that have a little exercise in it. And if that's helpful, helpful to you, I want to encourage you to use it. I want to encourage you to take this time and, and just become real before God. Where are the waters rising for you this morning? Bring them before your Heavenly Father. Let, let Him know your situation. Honestly, no masks, no fake feelings, and, and cry out to him. Ask him for help. Life can get really difficult. But we are confident that there will be an end to the pain, and thus we can live in hope. Praise the Lord. We can, we can worship God openly and honestly, even in the midst of our distress. And that brings me back to the children of the Watoto Choir. They, they have experienced and witnessed things that we, we may never comprehend or understand. In some ways, those children understand the darkness in this world far better, far more than us, and, and perhaps far better than we ever will, and yet they stand full of hope and full of joy, singing praise to their Father who gives them hope in the darkness. 
My prayer is that this morning that we may find that hope as well. I'll ask the worship team to come up and sing it as well together with us.